This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 488 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. It's important to enunciate. My name is Matt Baum. I am the internet's Joseph Patrick. Oh, that's right. Sorry. For too goddamn long, Matt and I have shared the same body thanks to the curse of the stepped pyramid we discovered in the ancient tunnels below our fair city. Is it stepped or steeped? Stepped. Stepped. It's a stepped pyramid. Stepped. Now we hide from society, only sending out desperate broadcasts, ranting and raving about comic books. It's sad, really. On this week's exciting episode, we'll review B.M. Bendis' foray into Superman and Evan Dorkin's take on Harry Potter. You'll find out why I'm wrong about that later. After that, we'll review eight more comics during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll explore the dark secrets of next week's comics in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. And finally... Mrs. Baum is back for her very own edition of Casey's Crazy Corner. Well, she'll be giving us another view of Brian Michael Bendis's, uh, we'll say a different perspective on Brian Michael Bendis's Man of Steel number one. <laughs> but before we storm into this wet, hot American June, we better talk about this week's nerd news. Nerd news. <laughs> Buckle up, Matt. Jamie Foxx has accepted the titular role in creator Todd McFarlane's Spawn reboot film. This news comes from Deadline. Okay, time out. If you're going to refer to him as our new Spawn, we need to refer to him as Academy Award winner Jamie Foxx. Uh, yeah, yeah. Spawn. Uh, Academy Award <laughs> I want to stress that this man has a fucking Oscar, right. and now he's playing Spawn. <laughs> Look. Maybe he's a fan. McFarlane, who created Spawn in 1992, confirmed Fox's casting uh, to Deadline with a picture of himself with Fox. And he offered a little bit of information about what to expect from the film, which, thank God, he is writing and directing himself. Oh, good. Uh, Todd, <laughs> uh, there's a very long quote here. It's going to be an R-rated movie. It's creepy and powerful. Uh, he's not going to explain. I gave him credit for this. He's not going to uh, explain wh how Spawn is and how he does what he does. It's not going to be well, an origin every, story. How many times we've seen Spawn's origin? I mean, everybody knows that, right? <laughs> the wrestler and then the criminal runs by Uncle Spawn and then Uncle Spawn dies and Spawn's like, oh, all my power and responsibility. And then Spawn's mom's pearls fall in the alley. Yeah, and then it, Spawn kills the devil and rules hell, just like in the movie. And his, his mom's name is Martha. I don't know. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> Satan's name is Martha, too. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Not his mom. Satan's name is Martha. Maybe John Leguizamo can reprise his role as Martha from the first Spawn film. I'm not the vertebraker. I'm not the whatever. <laughs> I'm the violator. <laughs> God. Uh, he also says that Spawn is going to be more of like a silent movie monster like uh, like Jaws or or The Thing. You what know? does that mean? What does that even fucking mean? Well, it means it's not. He's not going to be like a Freddy Krueger kind of running around monologuing. It's going to be more what? like a, like a like a boogeyman kind of thing. Does okay? Does Todd McFarlane understand that Spawn is not a monster? Does he understand that? I mean, he's he the hero, right? Yes, he's like well, he's an anti-hero, dude. He like walks on the dark side of justice. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I fucking hate Spawn. I'm going to go on record. I hate Spawn. It is an idea that had its day. I fully admit back in the 90s, I was totally down. I loved it. I thought it was the coolest shit ever. And then I went to the first Spawn movie with Oscar award winner Charlie Sheen. Pardon me. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, yeah. And I stood up and booed in that movie. It was one of the only films that I've walked out on. And Todd McFarlane was the man in his Spawn comic book that told me how excited young Matt Bomb was going to be when he sees the Spawn movie because he has so much control over it. Normally, 
we get bummed out when creators don't have control over this shit. And we're like, oh, that's too bad. I hope Hollywood gets it right. There's no way to get this right. It sucks. We don't need this. And poor Jamie Foxx. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> this is not going to hurt Jamie Foxx. I mean, that dude's no, made some bad movies. At all. Right. I mean, look at Spider-Man 3, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Pardon me. Amazing yeah. Spider-Man 2. It's easy to lose track. Right. Of terrible Spider-Man movies. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't care about Spawn either. Uh, like this, I am totally indifferent to this news. Indifferent to this news. Like, but you got upset when we talked about it the other day. Like, I, it, I don't understand. Like, why it would affect you at all? Ignore it. It'll go away. It's, I know. It's just it's fucking Todd McFarlane more than anything. That guy just drives me insane. Let me tell you this though. You, we're gonna have to see it now. Oh yeah. No, see, that's the thing. I'm a goddamn captive audience. I have to go fucking see this. I am not excited. All right. The the, mo- the most fun part of this uh, article from Deadline is that they refer to Spawn's alter ego as Al Newman instead of Al Simmons. Did they change it? And th- I don't know. I don't know if they changed it or if they just screwed up. <laughs> or maybe it's a nod to Alfred E. Newman from Mad or something. Ooh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh. What? Spawn worry? What? It news that I am excited about. Uh, episode title what spawn yep yep, exactly in news that i am excited about netflix is in final negotiations that's in quotes which means they may or may not be in final negotiations i guess to order a full season of idw entertainment's lock and key according to hollywood trade netflix's intention would be to pass on the already filmed pilot and opt for the show to go under redevelopment including recasting many of the key roles which is probably good because I can only assume Hulu passed on it because it sucked. No, I heard a, a lot of people saw that pilot and reacted pretty favorably to it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I didn't see it, so I don't, I don't know. It's got to be out there somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, I think you can find I think it's online. This would be the third pilot based on Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez's Lock and Key comic book series. Fox filmed the pilot in 2011. That one sucked. I've seen that one. While Hulu's was filmed in 2017. It's got to be out there. If somebody has a link to it, send it to me. I'm curious. But I think it's a smart idea if Netflix is going to do this to do it and make it entirely their own and do it right, perhaps. One of the reasons they may be redoing it is because they want to nail it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lock and Key is a wonderful story that would make a super creepy TV miniseries. It doesn't need to be season after season after season, but they could do like four miniseries just like the books. You know what I mean? Well, I, I mean, I think you could get it had six, vo- uh, six volumes, I believe, of the trade of the yeah. uh, trades. I think you yeah, could I mean, do. You're probably right. There's no reason why they couldn't do like five or six seasons with yeah. that, I suppose. And uh, like each season was a little bit different and it all kind of culminated in the the big finale. I think that I think that it, it would be great uh, as a serialized story. How many properties, though, get a third chance before it's even like reboots are one thing. You know, we've had three iterations of Spider-Man on screen now, right. but those movies right. got made. And that's fucking Spider-Man. Right. Uh, I mean, but, like, uh, you this, will always be having Spider-Man. This movies, hasn't you know? even gotten out of the gate. And it's on its third strike. <laughs> yeah, it is a little nuts. Uh, but I, I think it also goes to show how beloved this property is. I mean, the yeah. same kind of things happen with Why the Last Man, I guess. They haven't been filming pilots, but it's been in development here, out of development, back in development. It's going to be a movie. It's going to be a TV series. Yeah, you're you know? absolutely right. And it took Preacher like 20 years to get on the air. So yeah, same with Preacher. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this is just how business is done now. I think Netflix is a good place for this. I think, I hope they give Joe Hill all the control on it. And I would love to sit down and watch this as a series. Me too. I'm excited. In less exciting news, inker Wade Von Graw Badger. I love that name has stated that artist Stuart Eminent has retired following this week's amazing Spider-Man 800. Apparently it broke him. It broke him. <laughs> uh, Von Graw Badger has been working with Eminent since 1993 and he wrote that he was retiring from comics, but that he may return for a small thing here or there, of course. What else is Immelman going to do? What is he, a scratch golfer? I mean, like, he's going to be an orthodontist now? Like, what's he going to do? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, he, he released a statement. He's got some some projects with his wife that he's working on, but I don't. they're just not comic related. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, Immelman confirmed it with Newsarama. He said he's leaving comics, at least for now, leaving the door open, quote, 
if the right project with the right collaborators come along. So he'll be back eventually, but man, it's going to be sad not to see him on a monthly book. Yeah. The dude's been around since uh, 88 when he self-published a book called Playground with his wife, Catherine. Uh, He had a long stint on the Superman titles in the late 90s. And has been exclusive to Marvel since 2002, and he's done all the biggest hits like Avengers, Ultimate Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Next Wave, and Star Wars. He's ridiculously stupid talented, and he's not old. That's the other thing. He's not old at all. No, he's this not. Is, this is tantamount to, like, Michael Jordan's first retirement when, like, he was still at the top of his game, went, ah, I'm done with basketball, you know? Sure. And everybody was like, why? Why, dude? And and he's going out on top. Ryan Stegman on, tw- on Twitter said, now everyone in the top 10 best working artists today can move up one slot <laughs> because Stuart Eman has retired. He really is that goddamn good. I mean... And and operating at the top of his game right yeah, now. It's, I, I'm going to be sad to see him go. I think without exaggeration, Stuart Eminem is probably the best superhero sequential artist that's working today. It's There is definitely an argument. I'm not going to say it because don't tweet at me, but there's definitely an argument to be made that's true. I'm going to say it. You can tweet at me. And finally... The ill-flated silver and black movie, the story of your silver sable and black cat set in the Spider-Man universe without (laughs) Spider-Man has been dropped from Sony's roster of upcoming films. Joe Patrick, good news or bad news for Venom? Uh, hmm. There's a lot of talk this week on the on the net at about the negative reactions to the Venom trailer. Right, I don't shit. think it's a vote of confidence. <laughs> no, and it could, and we're in the realm of conspiracy theories here, but that's where we do our best work. It could mean that they are looking at early Prince of Venom and saying, this is not going to be a good movie and it doesn't work without Spider-Man. How the fuck are we going to sell a Black Cat and Silver Sable story next? Oh yeah, I mean, I have no idea how, what Sony's even thinking. Like, as a comic book fan, as a fan of the characters, I'm like, okay, go for it. But like, how are you going to convince anybody that doesn't know about these characters already? Yeah, that's just the thing. To care it, about a movie about Silver Sable. It's one thing when you make a Tomb Raider movie or a Charlie's Angels movie. You know, these are these are beloved female right. characters. And even if you haven't played and the I games or Silver seen the Soul. original, like even if you haven't played those games or seen the original Charlie's Angels, you know what they are because they're right. a part of pop culture. Silver Sable is not a part of larger pop culture. That's what I'm saying. There's one. There's a difference between beloved characters that can stand alone and do the job, and then there's Silver Sable and the Black Cat. Why not just make them anybody? It doesn't need being Silver Sable and the Black Cat minus Spider-Man is worthless, worthless to me. Right. It also also makes no sense because what kind of movie is it going to be? Black Cat is a thief. Right. Silver Sable is like a a mercenary, like an international mercenary or whatever. Why would they even have any reason to team up? It's going to be just like uh, Ballistic X versus Sever, the 2002 action thriller starring Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, uh, one of the worst reviewed movies of all time. Uh, I believe it is at zero. (laughs) It's at zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It has zero. But like, seriously, this is at that level. X versus Sever. They put it in the title. It means fucking nothing. Nobody knows who these characters are. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, I'm not rooting for them to fail or anything, but I think I think you might be right. I am actively rooting for them to fail. It's a (laughs) dumb idea. I think you might be right that maybe they're uh, a little bit more cautious about going forward with all of these weird Spider-Man spinoffs that have nothing to do with Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm curious to see like Venom. I am morbidly curious. I'm. I'm saying they looked at it and went, okay, we're a little ahead of our skis here. Maybe we need to slow down, guys. <laughs> so there's your nerd news and analysis for this week. Be sure to head over to the THN forums and let us know what you think about these stories and all the things we ignored. You can find them by heading to 2 nerdcom and clicking on the forums button. It's bright yellow. You can't miss it. It is review time in Ziggurat, where Joe and I will be pulling no punches, regardless of the huge donations we received from a BMB. I'm not sure who that could possibly be, but thank you, sir. That's very generous. <laughs> Joe, 
Why don't you lead us off? All right, here it is. My main review is of The Man of Steel, number one from DC Comics, written by the man himself, Brian Michael B.M. Bendis. With art by Ivan Rice, Joe Prado, and Jason Fabok. Colors by Alex Sinclair. And letters by Corey Pettit. It's 32 pages for $3.99. It's got a shiny cover, apparently. I did not know that because I read it it digitally. Here's your solicit. A new era begins for Superman as a threat from his earliest origins reemerges to destroy the last son of Krypton. As Superman struggles to come to grips with what has happened to his wife and son, mystery, he must also face a new threat that's determined to burn down Metropolis. B.M. Bendis's much anticipated question mark? It it was anticipated. Yeah, sure. All right. Series debut with DC is finally here, and I've got to admit, it's really great. Yeah. Like, it's so much better than I had been expecting following his two completely forgettable preview stories in Action Comics 1000 and DC Nation number zero. See, I fucking told you. I told all you jerks. This is going to be great. And and it was. It's great. All right, all right. The issue opens in the past with snaggletoothed villain Rogal Zar as he pleads his case for Krypton's destruction to a panel of intergalactic dignitaries. Zar seemed like a one-note villain leading up to this series, but Bendis manages to imbue him with complex motivations and actual depth. This is a mild spoiler. When the Council obviously elects not to go along with Zar's genocidal plans, he's crestfallen like he's almost heartbroken it was great too because it reminded me of like letters that i got from it support from uh, that i contacted where it's like something is fucking wrong with this computer and you're gonna fix it and they're like we're very sorry for your inconvenience at this time mr bond but we have decided that you're outside of your warranty on this issue like fuck (laughs) fuck you (laughs) that's exactly how i felt for rogel czar and that's there's a there's a splash page at the end of that scene where he's just like slumped over defeated yeah like he's more than just a generic space monster there's something else going on there bendis's superman is pitch perfect and the writer's dialogue seems completely free of the bendis quirks that are a typical point of criticism no one is talking in broken sentences there are no two-page wide grids of tiny talking heads rambling on and most importantly every character has a unique voice one of my main complaints with his run on Avengers is that all of the Avengers sounded like Spider-Man. They all sounded the same when they talked. Yes, I agree. I admit it. I liked it, but I agree. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, I didn't dislike it overall, but it was definitely noticeable. It's a totally different approach than his Marvel style. And what really sold it for me were the small touches like Superman being ashamed for eavesdropping on a young woman because he thought that the song she was singing was beautiful and taking time to say hey to his best pal Jimmy while reporting to Perry White. His Superman is kind and gentle and sincere, and most of all, he's human. He is Clark Kent, not an alien hero pretending to be mortal. Absolutely. There have been lots of great Superman artists, but I feel like Ivan Rice was born to draw this character. His Superman invokes the John Byrne post-crisis version that formed my childhood vision of what Superman should be. More than any artist in decades. He's big, but not imposing. He's strong, but he's warm. He's comforting, and he's confident. Rice and his longtime inking partner Joe Prado and colorist Alex Sinclair really bring out the best in each other. This book is gorgeous. Jason Fabok has a few pages in here too. Yeah, Jason Fabok has two pages at the end, and I'm going to touch on that here in a second. There was a rumor going around that DC staffers were taking bets about how many of this series' artists would finish their assignments. Not as a criticism of the creators, but because of DC's insistence to put this book out on a weekly schedule. When they started announcing secondary artists for each issue, things looked really dicey. Like before the book even came out, they were saying, Steve Rude's going to help out on issue two. Jason Fabok's going to help out on issue one. It's like, oh man, these guys aren't going to finish. Yeah. But the way Jason Fabok's two-page contribution is handled makes total sense in terms of the story. It's like an epilogue. 
And it's the start of a flashback that's going to fill in the story of what's going on with Lois and John, which is a mystery that the reader does not know yet. And he does a great job. I think Jason Fabok is a terrific artist. He's fantastic. He is so talented. And he was going through some weird crisis of faith for a while here on Twitter where he was just like, I just don't know what's next for me. What comes? I, f- I feel so lost in this business. We're like, you're one of the best. Yeah. What is the problem? <laughs> well, he his run on uh, his run on Batman ended, and I don't think that he's got anything lined up. So I hope what? I hope he does. How? The I, guy is so damn talented. I know, it's true. I don't know if Bendis was trolling us with those two mediocre preview stories or what, because this book is excellent. And it proves that he understands Superman and has a clear vision for where he wants to take the character. And any hesitation that I had about his upcoming run is gone. And I'm very excited to see what he has next. I'm giving this a buy it. Ivan Rice is only drawing this first issue. Man of Steel is weekly, so it'll be a different artist at each issue. They're all great. But Ivan Rice is drawing Superman, I think. Yes. And Patrick Gleason is drawing action comics. Uh, and yeah, I'm so excited. I, I was dreading Bendis, and now he's totally won me over. Yeah, massive buy it for me. This was fun. It was friendly. It was bright. It, at the same time, there was so much humanity in it, even down to like the scene with Killer Moth and Firebug, was it? Firefly, I think they said. Fi- pardon me, Firefly and Killer Moth, where he... Killer Moth approaches Firefly and Firefly's like, what are you doing here, dude? Superman lives here. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, like, and I'm the, hiding here. And he's trying and to get him to whisper. Right. And Superman sweeps them both out of the apartment and he's taken to jail. And they're like, please don't drop me. And he's like, I don't do that. And they're like, Batman drops us all the time. Yeah. It's so scary. <laughs> it was just great. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, I'm very, very happy with this. I love that Bendis showed us he'll be able to do this on both a street level, introducing Superman looking into these fires that are taking place. And there's this big cosmic side to the Superman book as well. And my guess is we're going to see something like action comics being very grounded and Superman being a lot more cosmic or something like that. And I'm fine with it. Yeah, I I love this. I'm giving this a massive buy it. I, I'm so excited for Bendis to be doing this. I really am. Yeah, I think they said that uh, one of the books will be like more like centered around his activities at the at the Daily Planet, you know, right. uh, uh, supporting character focused and stuff, which I'm totally having, into. Yeah, having a family and whatnot. Yeah. All right, Matt, what did you have for us this week? It's uh, it is definitely a different uh, tone than the one we just read. <laughs> it certainly is. One of my favorite writers has a new miniseries out, Blackwood number one of four from Dark Horse. It's written by the one and only Evan Dorkin with art by Veronica Fish. And for some reason, I wrote Veronica Fish Fish. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. From the multi-Eisner award-winning creator of Beasts of Burden and the artist of Archie and Slam comes this supernatural fantasy about magical murder in a sorcery school when four teenagers with haunted pasts enroll in Blackwood College, a school that trains students in the occult. Their desire to enhance their supernatural abilities and bond with others is hampered by an undead dean's curse, ghosts in their dorm, a mischievous two-headed mummy chimp, a plague of mutant insects, and... The discovery of an ancient evil that forces our heroes to undergo a crash course in the occult for the sake of the world. That's a lot going on there. I know. I want to start with an apology, folks. I wrongfully likened this book to a scarier version of Harry Potter. And wow, was I wrong. Yes, Blackwood is a story of a group of kids going to a creepy college, but it's not so much a magic college. None of them are directly practicing magic in the sense like Harry Potter was. This is the occult. Blackwood is more of an institute for eldritch research in a small town surrounded by graveyards. Evan Dorkin introduces us to six very believable, quirky young students, each with their own personalities that he is about to run through a gauntlet of demonic hauntings that it looks like none of them may survive. Of course, the faculty is even more quirky than the students and possibly possessed in some cases. Dorkin's story wastes no time letting the reader know that this is not a cute coming-of-age story with a twist, but rather a horror story in which none of these characters are safe. 
Veronica Fish is an up-and-coming art talent who most recently worked with Mark Wade on the Archie relaunch. Fish is really something special, and here she's channeling classic EC horror masters like Wally Wood, just packing each page with detail, magic symbols, skulls, demonic shadows, and her coloring is wonderful, too, adding this fantastic, menacing look to the school with splashes of blood and glowing flames and some particularly grisly scenes. Yeah, and this is her art. um, She's changed it up a bit. Like, this also was, like, very heavy. um, Yes, Heavy lined, lots of uh, deep blacks. And uh, her work on Archie... And Slam, I love Slam. It's a great book, and she was great on it, but it's totally different. No, I think she's one of those chameleons. I think she can sit down and actually work with a creator to make a whole new look for the story itself. Whereas a lot of artists, and this is not to say that that's good or bad. It is what it is. You hire some artists to bring in their look to a book. You hire other artists to come in and create something wholly new, and that's what Fish does. She's so talented. Yes, Blackwood is a creepy good time for anyone who loves occult-themed horror with nods to your favorite movies like Evil Dead and creatures right out of a Lovecraft story. I am giving this a huge buy it. Yeah, it's a buy it for me, too. I really enjoyed it. I I didn't know anything about it going in. I I didn't uh, remember the solicit from last week, and I was totally surprised. I think Evan Dorkin is a really fantastic writer. He really is. And he doesn't put out enough stuff. But um, this was fun. It it is kind of it does have a Harry Potter kind of feel to it. it it's not like a school of wizardry, but um, I loved the idea that it's just like dark and gritty, like hippie magic, like <laughs> not uh, not hippie magic, but you know what I mean, like eldritch books and uh, yeah, like Th- this is Lovecraftian occult horror. Yeah, nobody's like waving wands around. Uh, and the Dean is straight up terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that scene where like they're following him and they pull his coat off. I was like, Oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, but, I really that's enjoyed one it. thing that I really love about Dorkin is, and you say he doesn't put out enough stuff. I feel like he waits until he's got it nailed down and perfect. And then he puts his stuff out. And in the, in a situation like this, Books like this are often like group of plucky kids and they go on adventures and don't worry, nothing really oh, yeah. bad's gonna happen. These One kids are died, not, but no, they're okay. These kids are gonna get fucked up. These you're kids going are to watch not them, plucky. <laughs> yeah, you're going to watch them get ruined. And man, I love it. All right, that is a double buy it for both The Man of Steel number one and for Blackwood number one. We'll post our written reviews over at twitternunder.com. You can go read them. You can tell us exactly what you thought of them. And, you know, yell at us for being wrong, because what else You can is tell now? us to go screw whatever you want. Go you screw. Know? Yeah, go screw. <laughs> Pound sand, kid. It's tornado season in Omaha. And Joe and I are warming up our storm preparations with our buddies, Red and the Texas Tornadoes. So How join us now. get inside? So join us now as these two cyclones blow through the ziggurat so we duck and cover and review eight more comics during the Ludicrous Speed Race! Ludicrous Speed, go! Glacier City Pilot Chapter! What? From Panel Syndicate. Is that a title or is this the pilot chapter of Glacier City? It's the pilot, yeah. There's no issue number. It's Glacier City, the pilot chapter. Police Chief Wes Cutter is the only law enforcement in a secluded Alaskan town where everyone has a secret and his closest backup is hours away. This was a great opening chapter to the new crime comic from writer Jay Farber and artist Michael Montanant. Montanant? Montanant. Farber. Montanant? Montanant. Yeah, sure. Farber is great at juggling large casts with diverse personalities and Montanant's art is beautiful. Think of it as Whiteout meets Northern Exposure with a little less of the quirkiness. Okay. You can go to panelsyndicate.com right now and get this issue for any price, even if it's nothing, but don't be a jerk. If this pilot does well enough, they'll come back for more, and I really hope they do. Buy it. 
Jay Farber's another one of those, like, where's that guy been? I love that guy. Oh, no, he's he's, he's consistently got books at Image. They're just not super high profile. He was doing that. that well, uh, that's true. That's true. Elsewhere. That elsewhere, mm-hmm. that Amelia Earhart book. Yeah. Star Wars Lando Double or Nothing, number one from Marvel. Lando is back in a new mini, and this time he's a photo reference Donald Glover instead of a photo reference Billy D. Young Lando finds himself in a fairly predictable predicament with his best droid gal by his side, but this doesn't quite capture the magic of Glover and L3's performances in the solo film. The art and story are fine here, but if you want to read a great Lando comic, go check out the previous Marvel mini by Charles Soule and Alex Mayleave. This feels like a bit of a cash grab. I'm giving it a skim it. Amazing Spider-Man 800 from Marvel! Dan Slott nears the finish line of his almost decade-long run alongside several of his artistic collaborators, Nick Bradshaw, Giuseppe Camincoli, Marcos Martin, Umberto Ramos, and Stuart Eminen. Norman Osborn is possessed by the Carnage symbiote, which is just as bad as it sounds, and Spidey can't defeat them alone. This was a fun conclusion to the go-down swinging arc, and also kind of bittersweet as we say goodbye to an old friend. It's also a mammoth 96 pages full of original story content. I'm going to miss Slot on this book when he's gone, but at least we have one more issue to go. Spidey 800 gets up by it. Yeah, I loved it. It was fantastic. The Last Siege, number one from Image. This one is billed as a spaghetti western meets Game of Thrones, and while it's very macho, there were lots of dudes with swords cussing and beating each other, the first issue has yet to build up the sweeping diplomacy of Game of Thrones. Justin Greenwood is very good on art, but I'm not sure if the main character they keep calling an Easterner is supposed to be Asian or not. He dresses like a samurai, he carries a samurai sword, but he doesn't look what I would call Asian. <laughs> Regardless, does he look not a Caucasian? <laughs> sort of. That's not a funny joke. Regardless, not a bad setup for what looks to be a medieval western. I'm giving it a buy. Super Sons Dino Mutt special from DC. Pete Tomasi and Fernando Passarin bring us this unlikely team-up between the Super Sons and one of my all-time favorite Hanna-Barbera characters from my childhood. I loved how Tomasi wove the history of Blue Falcon and Dynama into Batmans as though they'd always been there. His story is surprisingly touching, and Passarin's art is fantastically detailed. I haven't read the other Hanna-Barbera crossover issues yet, but if Super Sun's Dynamite is any indication, we may end up with another Batman Elmer Fudd on our hands. I'm giving it a huge buy it. All right. We are Danger, number one from Black Mask. Remember last week when I talked about Twee Comics making my gums bleed? Well, uh, I believe you said that they aggravated your gingivitis. Yes, and that's what makes your gums bleed, gingivitis. Well, I nearly choked on blood while reading this hyper-cute manga-inspired story of a new girl meeting cool people at a generic show and then instantly starting a band. Imagine Scott Pilgrim with no soul, written by the people that brought you the latest Gem in the Holograms movie, and you've got the safest, cutest, most twee piece-of-shit comic ever. Leave it. The art wasn't bad. Wow. 2021 Lost Children, number one from Titan. All right, this one's a little beefy, but bear with me. The book was like 60 pages long. You're a little beefy. It's true, but I'm working on it. It's true. It's 2021. Detroit has seceded from the United States, and its citizens are under the control of a madman with extraordinary abilities. It's about damn time. The only hope of retaking the city is not Robocop. It's four superpowered kids. But the powers come with a price. Every time they use them, they get older. So they might die of old age before they even fulfill their mission. Oh, it's like those kids Michael Jackson used to hang out with. <laughs> That's not a funny joke either. You laughed, though. Yeah. So, yeah. I, okay. Guess what? It is. <laughs> I love the concept here, though the execution is clunky. The dialogue gets a bit wonky, but it's also translated from its original language, so I'm going to give that a pass. However, there were also a few sequences of Stefanie Bedbeder's story, or Bedbede, she French, he French, Stefanie. I think it's Stefan, probably. Well, no, there's an accent, so it's like Stefania. Right? Oh. Anyways. Oh. Okay. Uh, anyway, there were points of the story that I couldn't follow at all, and I don't think it's because of the language barrier. The work by the artist, also named Stefania, Stefania Bervaz, is very off-putting. It's a mix of illustrations and barely filtered photo-referenced backgrounds. Yeah, yuck. My first instinct was to give 2021 Lost Children a skim it, 
because I, I liked the concept at least, but the more I thought about it, the less interested I became in coming back to finish this story. Cool concept, the execution is lacking, leave it. Oh. Batman, Prelude to the Wedding Part 1, Robin versus Rachel Ghoul. Okay, so you're all going to say, oh, I get it, Hunt for Wolverine's a fucking terrible idea, but you're excited about the fucking Prelude to the Wedding Part 1. You're going to say, no way. Matt was high as a kite when he read this one, but you're wrong. I was only kind of high. And I'm telling you right now, this is the best damn Batman story I have read in a while. Brad Walker gives us a heart-wrenching look at the Batman-Catwoman wedding from Damien's point of view, and it's just wonderful. The backup story was short, but super fun look at what's coming down the pike. This was just a great read, and damn it if I don't find myself excited for the wedding now. I'm giving this a buy it. Kerchomp! That is your Lucas speed round, and Kerchomp is the sound of a nihilist getting snatched from the air by a giant shark. As seen in the pages of Lockjaw, number four. This was submitted by our buddy Chase Magnet via Twitter on his birthday. Happy birthday, hey, Chase. He's 16 years old, kids. Finally. <laughs> he's a man now. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, bite down hard on any of our social media platforms or shoot an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. June is here, and with it, extreme heat and gross, humiliating humidity. So... Joe and I once again find ourselves in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, lying on the floor in our boxer briefs, letting the cool stone lower our core temperatures. Joey, before we cool down too much, what's your heat-addled brain picking to read next week? My pick for next week had to be Justice League number 1 from DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder with art by Jim Chung. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. The Totality! Part 1. A brand new era begins here. Comics legend Scott Snyder, blah, 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 launched the Justice League into a cosmos-shaking mystery that will draw out their most terrible foes in ways our heroes couldn't possibly imagine. In this debut issue, Martian Mangrabber struggles to protect the team from an incoming threat that will shatter the world as they know it. I forgot about the Martian man grabber and his <laughs> and his mandoliers. Yeah. <laughs> While another familiar face strikes out on a dark path. Jimmy Chung's first DC work. Here yeah, it comes. You know what? I'm excited. It's oh my uh, God. That guy's so stupid talented. too. I know. I wish he was drawing more than just one issue. <laughs> my pick for next week is the immortal Hulk. Number one for Marvel comics written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett. 32 pages for three ninety nine. Here is your solicit. Horror has a name! You'd never notice the man. He doesn't like to be noticed. He's quiet, calm, never complains. If someone were to walk up and shoot him in the head, all he'd do is die. Until night falls and someone else gets up again. The man's name is Banner. The horror is the Immortal Hulk! They're bringing the monster back to the Hulk. Al Ewing is a fantastic writer that not enough of you appreciate. Joe Bennett is super freaking talented, and the preview art for this looks wonderful. I'm excited to read a good monthly Hulk book that's just going to focus on the Hulk, not all the dumb side shit, not the Red Hulk, not Hulk Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., just the monster Hulk. Same here. I love this creative team, too. Yeah. The THN trade of the week is Beautiful Death. It's a hardcover from Titan Comics, written and illustrated by... Mathieu Bablé, he also French. Man. A lot of Frenchies in, in my picks for this week. You can't get enough of this French stuff. It's true. It's 144 pages for $24.99. Here's your solicit. The apocalypse has been and gone. The age of humanity is at an end. What does resistance mean when there's nothing left to fight for? That's what Wayne, Jeremiah, and Sham... The only survivors of the devastating invasion struggle with day after day, seeking a new purpose, a glimpse of a worthwhile future to justify their futile presence in a ruined world. They pick through the remains of human civilization, keeping out of reach of the bugs. None of them suspect that they are part of a much larger plan, one that involves another unknown survivor. 
It sounds like a real rom-com pick-me-up. Yeah, it's like a meet-cute, <laughs> b- boy-meets-bug kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, got, I really loved the idea of, like, it's not about fighting back against the invasion. The invasion happened and we lost. And it's about, like, the very few people left trying to figure out how to live in a world that's been totally flushed down the toilet. Yeah, I reviewed the first issue of this on the show. It was very good. You did? And Yeah, I did. And the world that they drew, that the artist draws, in, is just sprawling and amazing. Bablé is truly a talent, like in the from the Mobius school of fantasy and sci-fi. Art. I did not really talented. I did not realize that. I did not remember that. I thought this was an original graphic novel, but still, that's fun. No. So there is our picks for next week, kids. But don't just take our words for it. Call your retailer and add these to your pull file now. Then next Wednesday, strip down to your boxers or, you know, whatever it is you choose to wear. And let us or know not what wear. you thought of these comics. You're a pervert, sir. I was in cool off, not getting naked. Look, some people but, just don't. But if you want to get naked, we're not judging you. Okay? It doesn't have to do be it do. doesn't have to be a sexual thing. You do. you Unless you want you it do, to be. You want to do sex things? You do you. All right. There you there go. You go. <laughs> because you demanded it. And because I was too lazy to come up with a third segment. It's true. Matt's wife, Casey, is back for another edition of Casey's Crazy Corner. This time, Casey once again finds herself a little tipsy. And she's reviewing Brian Michael Bennis's Man of Steel number one with her usual flair and complete lack of backstory or Superman knowledge. Take it away, Casey. Hey everyone, this is Casey, and this is my crazy corner, and I am reviewing Man of Steel 1 by Brian Michael Bendis. Let's get into it, nerds. With a Z. Okay. (laughs) It's cooler. I got into this, and at first I didn't know what was happening because there was just like a big globe many years ago on Krypton, and instantly, as someone who has to wear um, glasses... I had a really hard time following just that first picture where it's the dude in the red with all the muscles and all the blue faces behind him. There was a lot of bubbles of words. Are you you talking about the czar character? Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. And he has like a really big spear. Yeah. 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 Um, I couldn't follow who was saying what, and I was really confused for like a hot minute there. Why couldn't you follow? Because there's like word bubble, word bubble, word bubble, word bubble, word bubble line word bubble word bubble the and word then, bubbles are by their head though no not in this one i have that pulled up there's one two three four five heads and not one word bubble by anyone's head at all really there's a word bubble coming out of the main guy's butt <laughs> okay <laughs> krypton will plunge so i took notes you guys so i started instantly on this one because i was so confused after a couple bottles of wine and my first note says krypton is a bitch (laughs) because i said like the current usa because we are a bitch right now but everyone (laughs) is like super fucking mad at krypton they're like krypton won't let us help them krypton's doing this shit without like asking us to help we want to help we want to make everything good to be fair it's just this one guy it's his point of view yeah, he's the Trump of Krypton. No, uh, no, no. He hates Krypton. Oh, he's upset with Krypton. I don't know. They're all fucking mad at Krypton. That's no. what I took from it. No, because I was confused and I thought all the word bubbles coming out of his butt were from him. And I <laughs> took it as everyone hates Krypton. Look at him. Krypton will not buckle to threats of war. They will not surrender. That's a main guy. They will fight to keep their way of life. That is that dude talking. He's pissed. Yeah. Second point. Then all of a sudden it's like Metropolis now. How long is now? Well, we don't know. Because I have questions about that. I will get to that soon. I think that's point. um, There's definitely a time jump because we know that Krypton blew up way back in the past. So then we get on this page and it's like Metropolis and there's someone called Firefly and Killer Moth. In my notes, I say Mothman. And then in my notes, it says, is Mothman the same as Ant-Man in theory? Does he have a companion like the Wasp? No. What what would be a Moth's companion? No. I actually got real deep here, and I was like, if you were a Moth, who would your companion be? You went way too deep. They're just (laughs) Batman villains that are hiding in, in Metropolis. Oh, like if, but okay, let's just talk about this. No, thing. no, no. <laughs> if no, you were a moth, would your companion be like just, a bed bug? Let's stay focused. Moth and the bed bug? No, let's just, let's stay <laughs> I focused. I find that hysterical, I'm by sure the way. Okay. 
Anyway, I don't know who these motherfuckers are, but they're here and they're fighting about some bullshit. They're both Batman villains. Sure. As someone who's not read Batman and or Superman and or anything. But they tell you they're Batman villains. Um, they do. No. Yeah, in the story where they're, when Superman's flying with them and they're like, Batman always drops us. And Superman's no, he like, says, oh, I God, don't do please don't drop me. I don't do that. Yeah, and he's like, Batman. Oh, does. he says Batman does it all the time. Uh, yeah, how are you supposed to get that they're Batman villains from Batman does it all the time? Doesn't Batman just kind of like suck now that he's Ben Affleck? So obviously he would drop him because Ben Affleck has a heroin problem, probably. I, I don't Alleged. even know what to say about this. Alleged. <laughs> okay, let's just focus on okay. anyway, the fictional character. <laughs> I got really distracted by Mothman and what his companion would be, and I really thought long and hard about that <laughs> way more than I should. Okay. And then... All of a sudden, now I don't know where this... Oh, I know where I came from. Okay. So then um, Superman's in front of the Daily Planet being all sultry and sexy. Sultry and sexy? His eyes are closed and his chest is like brooding out. Like, look at this. Brooding? 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 Yeah. Brooding. That's not... Pecking? Brooding is like being upset. Like, um, I'm He's not upset. He's kind of like being like... He's pecking. He's being emo. Okay, <laughs> let's just he's move pecking along. and being emo. Right, anyway, let's just move along. He's talking about he's like f- hovering in front of the Daily Planet. He's like, I've heard that song before because he's listening and he can hear like this woman in the background, and mm-hmm. then it's like la 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 la. Her voice cracks in all the right spots. It's so, a, it's a Susie and it's a Susie and the Banshees cover. Okay, well, it doesn't mention that at all, and no, all of a sudden my they notes. To, they want you to pick up on it. Yeah, no, well. How, yeah, obviously, la 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 la, Susie and the Banshees. Well, later, <laughs> instantly, no, you, he instantly he thought says of the that. lyrics later, and you pick up on it. Oh, sure they do. Um, so my number three note was is turning to a musical, and in all caps, if so, all in. <laughs> and I instantly went to like La La Land in the Metropolis. Oh, <laughs> it's another day of scrum. Do, okay. do, 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 do. And they're like in Krypton, and Lois Lane is like jazz <laughs> handing in the middle of the seat, and fucking Jimmy is like Ryan Gosling in the car honking, <laughs> whole thing. Any house. Okay. So he's still obsessed with the song. And now I hear her scream. All of them. Damn it. I just turned that into Broadway. Yeah, you did. Broadway. <laughs> Eat it, you two. You can make Spider-Man. I can make Man of Steel. So I got really bored because there was like the singing girl is in a building that's like blowing up. No, she's not. There's a fire. Oh, a fire. It looks yeah. like explosion. He's distracted by the Wee-hoo! song. Wee-hoo! That's like a very... um. CSI. Wee-hoo! That's what it says. Wee-hoo! Okay. <laughs> anyway, he gets this girl out, blah, 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 and they're like, Superman, But she wasn't the girl up. that was singing. Oh, I just assumed she was. No, there was an explosion. He heard something separate. Then who is singing? It doesn't matter. The, the point <laughs> I is can't get past that, that Superman <laughs> like, has super hearing, and he heard this thing, and he was like, God, that's so beautiful. Margaritas. And he was like, I'm sorry that I'm even intruding. And then, boom, there's an explosion along the You of took screams. that away from that? I didn't get that at That's all. That's what's going on there. Oh, I didn't get that, that at all, that he was intruding. away from it. <laughs> he says, I'm sorry I listened in. Hmm. He's like, I'm sorry to be snooping. I, I just, I can't help but hear oh. how beautiful this song is. He didn't say it to anyone. He said it to his head. Yes, he's thinking it. Well, he might need to go see a doctor. Okay. He might have bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> he might have bipolar. All right. <laughs> Any house. He goes back in after he gets the not singing woman, apparently. And there's this little girl trapped under her sink. And uh, she says, holy explanation point, hashtag, dollar sign, dollar sign, hashtag, explanation point. That is called a Grawlix. I know. I'm assuming it. She said, holy fuck. A Grawlix is a bad word. I know. And she said, holy shit. Oh, I was going with holy fuck. No, no little girl saying holy fuck. She said, holy shit. I was obsessed with the word fuck in fourth grade. All right. Let's just, let's (laughs) I have a whole story about that one time if you ever want to hear it. Stay on task. Anyhow. And he's like, language, please. I wish you said language, please, bitch. But anyway. That super fan would never say that. (laughs) And she's like, oh, sorry. But then that next scene when she says sorry is my most favorite. um, What's what's it called? The little panel? Sure. Yeah. It's super cute. And she has two little dogs and one's like all puppy eyes. And the other one has its little mouth open like. And it goes, yep. <laughs> the yep made me giggle for probably five minutes. Again, I had like two gla- two glasses, two bottles of wine. But it's cute. It was the cutest thing. Yeah. I read that and all I wanted the rest of this to be was be like Superman saying something and that little dog going yep. And it does. There's another scene when he's like bringing her down to her mom and the dog is going yep, yep. And it was the best. So I'd really, I was obsessed with that okay, too. Okay, you like the puppies. Oh, I was big time into All the right. puppies. Cool. So then 
there's stuff that's happening. And he's like, wow, look at this big fireball in the sky. This is like, it was something like out of Doctor Strange. You know, when he goes and fights the bad guy at the end of the movie, spoiler, the big fireball sure. that he goes into is he goes, he's going to fire. He doesn't go into a fireball. No. Nothing like that happened. But it looks like it. It's like a big circle of What are we talking? Can you show me what you're talking about? There's something about this fire I don't like. Fireball. It's a oh, fireball okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's super Doctor Strange, right? When he goes to like and I repeat mean, his death over and over again. He sort goes of. Into- I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, nerds. I got that right. So anyway, he goes into the abandoned building. Apparently the fire is out. And his eyes turn like frozen blue. And he's like, Dad. Papa, can you hear He's me? He's using x-ray vision. Papa, can you see me? Okay, come on, come back. <laughs> and he, then he hears, Clark? Dumb. He like went all... No, he's like having like, he's remembering things. Dad, what is that? Are you okay, Superman? Eat a dick. But come on. It's done. No, he's, that was he's remembering. Dumb. But then all of a sudden, he's like in this trance and this fucking hot ass firefighter. Yeah comes up and takes off her hat and she has like piercing yellow eyes because she's probably a cat in another life or something. She has <laughs> cat eyes. And she has this beautiful ginger hair. And she's, she's a redhead. Like, but she's not like... I'm Melody Moore, a.k.a. reminds me of Mandy Moore. Well, I'm every every single one candy. of Superman's girlfriends have had like two consonants in their name. Lana Lang. Uh, Lois Lane. Lois Lane. Uh, there was like a Lena... Wonder Lena, Woman. Lena Lemuria, you know, like type thing. Yeah. Well, Melody looks like she wants to eat Superman. Yeah, I mean, well, everybody thinks Superman's cute. He's adorable. Mm, are you kidding me? He's hot as hell. Mm, he's no Dave Grohl. No, you're right. He has short hair and he's ripped up, and Dave Grohl is like old and like kind of fat. In. <laughs> That's why you married me. I guess. Yep. <laughs> there are similarities. Okay. Figure it out. All right. Anyway, they like flirt. Yada yada yada. Not interested. She kind of flirts with him. Uh, he kind of flirts back a little he bit. He doesn't flirt with her. Mm. Superman doesn't flirt. Debatable. No. Um, He's no If you find anything, feel free to call Clark Kent or Lois dot dot. No, okay. Just Clark call Kent. I should tell you, and you wouldn't know this, but something has happened and we don't know what it is. But there's been... Mysterio? No. Escalando? Scandal. Escandolo. Oh, see. Mysterio is a Spider-Man villain. <laughs> and the word you're looking for is Escandolo. Is Mysterio the one Jake Gyllenhaal's playing with the fish head? Yes. but AKA that's, fish head? That's spi- aquarium head. Not fish head. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he has like a little bowl with like yes. a goldfish. Oh, he does? There's no goldfish in it, but he does wear like a bowl in his head. But that has nothing to do with it. Man, we need to talk about that let's sometime. Get, let's go. Okay. Let's anyway, just, he's flirting and he's like, call Lois or Clark. And she's like, he's like, no, just call Clark. So something has happened. Let me show you my penis. In Whoa. <laughs> nothing like that happens. She's like, nice to meet you. Something has happened Superman. in their marriage. We don't know what it is. Lois shows up though in this comic. Yes. And looking all tough. But because Lois and is still around. Very MILF. They have a child together too. Jonathan. He looks just like him. Oh, his name is Jonathan. Jonathan. Mm. After his father. Will you settle down? That's his dad. Um, Jonathan well, and Martha Kent. Come I on. Mean, I guess his name's not like Carson or Mason or something. <laughs> yeah. fine. We have a nephew named Carson. Don't do that. <laughs> no, we don't. Yes. My cousin's kid's name is Carson. No, it's Caden. Uh, yes. It's Caden after the Bible. There's also a Carson. Oh, woman. Yes, there is. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. Just okay. kidding. Let's just. Anyhow. Let's stay on task. Melody Moore, AKA oh Candy from Mandy Moore is like still her loins are um, on fire and she's like stupid hearing stupid. Like he can see her and she's like covering her mouth and she's like, I'm so stupid. Giggle, giggle. And he looks back with his piercing blue eyes and he's like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> I know what's up. So then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> then Ginar gar gar garg, and there's this like creature. Back that, up. What was that? Ginar gar gar garg. G y n y a r y a a r g h. Can you show me what you're looking at real quick? It's like this weird beast. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it. It's like yeah, it looks like something out of like Stranger Things. Yeah, like the scream is like like the demi gorgon or something. Yeah. Okay. No, not yeah. It starts with G, so it's like Ginar garg. Niar. You're like, Niar. Oh, like Nat. The yeah. G is silent. Like we all learned today that you don't know how the English language works when you couldn't spell things. You're like, no, it's a K sound that has an S in it. <laughs> Not important to the conversation. 
Anyway, the guy from the very first um, script scene. His name is Czar. Czar. He's like, Hugog. And the demigorgon is like, chuk chunk, garag. <laughs> and apparently they're fighting. So it says then. So here's my question. Are we in present or are we still in past? This is in the past. Okay. This takes place in the past. So we're like, we're we flashing know, back. We're like on Lost when we we're did flash forwards and flashbacks. Because we know backs. that Krypton blew up a long, long time ago. So this guy is mad and wants to destroy Krypton. Okay, next. Now, do you recognize that little green guy that's visiting him? Um, well, I'm not, I don't think I'm there yet. He has a symbol but on his chest that you may or may not There's a glowing green thing over here, and I'm assuming that's Kryptonite. No. And this guy is like the Zargog. Yeah. Is carrying the Demigorgon, and he's like, you are my first visitor here. Are they on Krypton? No. Oh. They're on his, wherever he that lives. That makes so much more sense. Okay, anyway. Oh, yes. He is Green Lantern. Yes. That is one of <laughs> the elders of the universe. <laughs> Look at me. They are Green Lantern's boss. He's not Ryan Reynolds, though. No, he's one of their bosses. And he's not Killa... Kill he's not Killawog. Killawog. No. I was going to say Killamonger, but that's Michael Bay Jordan. That's Killmonger. Did you see what not I said Killamonger. there? Killamonger. Not Michael B. You said... Michael Ma Bay. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> Hit me up. I'm on Instagram. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, anyhow. She's married, Michael. Sorry. <laughs> Debatable. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I had, okay, so this whole scene with this guy and these people. They're called the elders of the universe. Okay, with and all they, these old fuckers. They, they're the, these little midgets that run, well, pardon me, little people mm -hmm. that run the universe and they are in charge of the Green Lanterns. And he is a guy that is on a group of like elders, other elders of the universe that this character has appealed to, to say, I'm super pissed at Krypton. I don't like everyone is because Krypton's current Trump USA. No, it's just that one dude. And is now Superman. like Kilowog senior. What? Old man, senior Green Lantern guy. He's pissed too, right? No. Oh. Anyhow. So, <laughs> so this first scene with Zartek or whomever with the kill, um, with the Demigorn on him. This is where I got really confused. I'm going to, this is my note number five okay. and it says what question mark explanation point. And this is a quote from this panel. Rogol Zar, I'm Appa Ali Absa. And then it says, huh? Question mark, explanation point. The huh is me. Okay. What? Rogol Zar is that guy's name. Oh, yeah, Zar. That makes sense. Yes. And the other dude's name is, read it. Appa Ali Absa? Yes. He's one of the midgets, one of the, pardon me, one of the little people that runs the universe and commands the Green Lanterns. Yeah. This is sort of like Rogel's are reaching out to universal IT. I like, I'm not going to lie after I, I had to read that like eight times and I still like everything else that happened after that. I just tuned out because I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And I feel <laughs> okay. like they're talking like the code Kryptonian or <laughs> like, no, this guy hates the Kryptonians. Yeah. Anyway, because so, they messed up his plan. He believes they messed up his plan. Okay. So they're still fighting. Blah, 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 blah. Explosion, explosion, explosion. Really pretty stuff. There looks like some water. And now we're back to now at the Daily Planet. Because whatever. And there's just a scene of Clark and his glasses looking all like sexy, like, you know, executive looking. Yeah, say executive. He's a journalist. He's not executive. But he kind of looks like a square. Yeah, that's his deal. Anyway, Clark Kent. He's a nerd. So he, then all of a sudden, all these people, I want to talk about them in the office that are working with him. That come up to him and he's like, do you have gold for us? What's on the story? And Clark's like, arson. Let's talk. And my note actually says, oh, actually, hold on. Backtrack. My number seven, before we get to this, after that whole scene with Zar Ragor or whatever. Ragnar. My thing was, I thought Krypton was blown up already. It is. So, so that makes more that sense. That was in the that past. That was my note seven that I'm calling back to they're, from they're the beginning. They're flashing back and then flashing yeah, forward. Yeah, but I'm saying circle O back. Okay. okay. Anyway, so scratch that. So my note number eight says Perry White is a stone cold fox. You know how I envision Perry White? From the Lewis and Clark show that was on ABC. Okay. And he was like that old dude with like the white hair and kind of a belly. And he's like, Clark, Lois. I and don't then, remember who played him. Um, I'll have to look. He's dead. R.I.P. He's dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was like an old motherfucker. But he had been in a shit ton of shit. But this Perry White is like muscles. Um, obviously a very large penis. Uh, what? Yeah. Why do you say that? Uh, did you not see this picture? Does he have a bulge? Fuck yeah, he has a bulge. 
that is a hamicata, <laughs> which is a note that I like to call John Ham's penis because he also has a very large penis. <laughs> FYI. I don't know this. I don't want to talk about how I know Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyhow. But then there's like the girl I'm standing next to him in this like awesome cape and just like everyone looks really stylish. And then my next note, because the next panel is like, um, Superman was there according to reports. And Sue Clark is like, Hey, Jimmy. And my next note after Perry White as a stone cold fox is, would not do the sex with Jimmy. <laughs> well, Jimmy just like right at it, dude. I'm not Lane afraid of Ginger. Lane Smith is your Perry White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lane Smith. Old motherfucker, right? Oh, yeah. I recognize Lane Smith. Yeah, he's been yeah. a bunch of shit. Yeah. Let's get into cool. the factors of why I will not want to do the sex with Jimmy. No, let's just continue with our review. He's cross-eyed. Not that that matters, but he's super cross-eyed. And you know I have a thing about calling okay, out people that are cross-eyed. Just, let's, okay. <laughs> That's not the main reason, but Jimmy he also... Jimmy is cross-eyed. All right. And this one he is. He kind of looks like he's high. and like Not like actually cross-eyed, but like smoke too we much. We literally get one panel of Jimmy. Yeah, he's like super cross-eyed. Why are you like, obsessing with this? Clark! Let's, let's move along. Come on. I don't know. I just... There's things that just happen let's in my along. life. Okay, anyway. And then Perry is like pushing up against the wall with his muscular fingers and his like back shoulder muscles and his silver fox hair. And Clark's like, mm-hmm, get it. But then I look and the next panel is like, oh, he's must be like, mm-hmm, get it to these pictures of Lois and Jonathan. His son. Who's throwing a peace sign because he's, you know. Mm. And then he goes home. <laughs> I don't think Jonathan has a lot of friends. <laughs> is that so bad? I don't mean it in a bad no, way. No, Jonathan's friends with Damien. Who the fuck is Damien? Damien is Batman's son. Oh, They're buddies. We cannot come up with better names here. They have a comic book together called Super Sons. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, it's great. It's so good. Anyhow, he's home and Jonathan's wearing a sweater that's just a little too short. <laughs> <laughs> Showing that belly and it's like, I don't understand. Can I wear this to school? Do you think people would make fun of me? And Clark's no. like, yeah, no, it's not- you get the fuck beat he up out of here. He doesn't want to wear this to school. It's a Superman outfit. He's growing. Yeah. And he's like, you had a growth spurt. Your costume doesn't fit you anymore. I know. And Jonathan doesn't seem to get that. Yeah, no. He's and then saying. we go to sexy Lois right. sitting on the counter in the kitchen. Boom, 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 boom. Chicka, boom, boom, boom. That's my sex like porn music. Because <laughs> she's like sitting that there. That sounded very much like Herbie Hancock. Probably. I'm in a jazzy boom, state boom, of mind boom, tonight. Boom, Man, boom, you know what would be really great? Boom, if, boom, boom, <laughs> boom, instead of that, boom, the, the sex boom, music was. Look into my eyes. Okay. Let's stand <laughs> You will see. We are way over time here. Who so. cares? <laughs> um, anyway, Lois is like, chest up, short skirt. Hey, Clark, look at this tongue. And then all of a sudden. Look at this tongue? Yeah. my Actually, my note says, Lois is a stone cold fox too. Excellent arm muscles. She must do bar. Yeah. <laughs> Lois is hot as hell. Yeah. She's strong as hell. Yeah. Like she could take Jonathan down easily. I think anyone could take Jonathan down. He looks like he could just kick him in the shin and Jonathan he'd be down. Jonathan is Superboy. Yeah. I think Jonathan, I could kick him in the shin and he'd be down. And then all of a sudden, she's like, Clark. And he's like, Dad, what is, oh, fade to discoloration. And the thing is over cliffhanger. The end. That's the end. It ends on a cliffhanger. Okay. So you're supposed to review this, not recap To be it. continued. Oh, that was my review. My review was, I don't know what the fuck just happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To put it bluntly, apparently Superman flirts. There's stuff going on in the past. Okay. How did you affecting- feel? Like, but how did you feel like when you read I it? I felt that the art was beautiful. You liked the art. You liked loved the art it. a lot. So I actually really did. Ivan like Rice, the artist, you liked him. Uh-huh. The story, like, did you connect with it? Did you feel like- <laughs> No, I didn't connect with the story. No, but like, did you feel like Superman was like- human like i can understand where he's coming from or like no i think superman needs to go see a therapist okay <laughs> so if you had to tell people whether or not they should buy this on our, i don't know i out. mean on so our, here's on the our deal. scale i didn't hate it buy it here listen i'm talking buy it skim it or leave it those no, are our, here i'll at. tell you in a minute you know what the thing was is when you told me this was 32 pages i like was like uh and I read it like really quickly, actually. So it held my interest. So I will give it that. So buy it, skim it, or leave it? Um, not leave it. Because oh. I thought the art was really pretty. Okay, the story so- was interesting enough. I kind of want to know what happens, but I kind of also don't care. Um, so I'd go skim it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It wasn't bad. All I'm not right. saying it's bad. I feel like they're going to shout out Melody more in a bit. And I think like Superman's going to stick a dick in it and cheat on Lois. No, he is not. He would never do mm, that. Debatable. You don't know him. Yes, I do. And I would argue you do not. 
<laughs> they were flirting hardcore. Anyway, yes. I say skim it because just tell me what happens. I don't need to read like 80 more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Margaritas. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 488! But before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, let's ask these nerds a new question of the week. Let's do it. This week's question comes from Joe Bankus, a.k.a. Casual Comics Guy on the forums. He was inspired by this week's topic, or I guess it was last week's topic, right? Gritty reboots, that was last week? Yeah. He was inspired by last week's topic, Gritty Reboots. What series deserves a lighthearted reboot? Batman went from a silly but earnest character in the 60s to a dark Avenger. Iron Man once wore rocket-powered roller skates and he had a nose on his armor. It's true. For gosh sakes, all my favorite heroes used to push Hostess fruit pies in the pages of my favorite comics. Everything and everyone is a dark and gritty reboot. Which character would you like to see get a lighthearted and comical representation in comics or on screen? See, I misread this, and I was working on my, like, Twinkie the Kid Blade Runner mashup, but <laughs> we, we gotta go the other way. Where, like, Twinkie the Kid hunts down other hostess, like, you know, desserts, and they just want to live and be part of society, and Twinkie, like, doesn't realize that, like, he is part of the problem, and he is actually a hostess dessert. You don't know, you know? which characters are snacks and which ones aren't? <laughs> yeah, it's fucking scary, man. And like, what is what is it to be real? What is it to be a dessert? There's so many questions. <laughs> I love this question, Joe. Let's have a little bit of fun. It should be a good time. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to thank everyone that shows out their hard-earned cash that they could be spending at their local comic book store every week by supporting this show on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we can't afford our hostess fruit pies. And I am addicted, let me tell you. Uh, also, and good. we don't mention it uh, very often anymore on the show, but we also have the Amazon link. On our uh, in the show notes of every episode, you click on that. Oh, that's right. You click on that link, and it takes you to Amazon. And anything you buy, we get a little bit of a kickback. It doesn't cost you any extra. You buy your toilet paper, your big screen TVs, your whatever, and uh, it helps the show. And we really appreciate it. A lot of people still use it. Yeah. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Branwyn Bigglestone, one half of the Bigglestone twins. The patron saints of the Kinky Wizards D&D group. Branwood is leaving Image Comics after more than a decade to go back to school full time. That's awesome. What a nerd. Word to you, Branwood. As always, the first kill of the night is dedicated to you. College is for dorks. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might bounce your ass out of college. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off.